Hey, John, welcome back to Working Sessions, man. Looking forward to diving into an update on Editor Ninja and Castaway as we usually do. I know we were kind of talking offline before we, we jumped on the recording here today about what we wanted to use for our icebreaker. And I think we landed on, I, I phrased it as competitors, good, bad, or indifferent. So first, I guess, let's hear how things are going with you, but then let's jump into maybe something about competitors and how you look at them when you're building Editor Ninja or whatever else you're working on. Yeah, what's up, James? Good to see you again, man. Um, always look forward to recording these. I'm doing well yesterday, so we're recording this on Thursday, March 17th. And yesterday, you know, there's a lot of bad that comes with entrepreneurship. There's a lot of stress. And I feel like I've been in the grind for about the last six months. And yesterday, I think I had a six-figure sales day. So like committed revenue, not collected yet, but committed. And so it just felt really good to get a win, right? I think I texted you and you're like, heck yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. You know, things are busy over here, building up to vacation and, you know, trying to kind of move a lot of things around with credo and then with editor ninja building that so got a lot of updates to give but you know one of those updates honestly is you know i've been messing around with like sales funnels and messaging and that sort of thing and you know when it comes to competitors you, you said good bad or indifferent like competitors are competitors they are what they are right i think it's good to get into a space and i think we talked about this in a previous episode where it's good to get into a space that's growing um, and where there are already established competitors simply because you know that there is a need. And so seeing what's already there in the market and what's working is great. So you can do the copycat thing if you want to. It's not really my style, but you can do it. I, I just use it as like competitive intelligence, right? Like I was thinking about pricing the other day and was like, you know, I'm always, you know, trying to move faster and increase conversions and revenue and that sort of stuff. And I realized that I hadn't really looked at my competitors and how much they were charging and also how they were kind of positioning themselves and messaging themselves. So, you know, a, a bunch of my competitors in the, the editor ninja space, they use a lot of overseas talent, right? I'm not like professional editors, that sort of thing. And so they're cheaper. Like one of my competitors, their minimum editing job is like $9 and 75 cents, something like that. And, and mine is like basically 30 bucks is, is the minimum. The right people are willing to pay for quality. They're always going to be those that they're just like, whatever, get it done. Right. If it's pretty good, then I'm, then I'm good. But, I, but like editor ninja is like professional MFA level editors. So I'm like, all right, I just need to message a lot harder around that though. Hey, it's turned around fast. It's by professional editors, you know, all, all of these things. So yeah, I don't take anything personally. Like I think nothing in the world is ever new, right? Everyone is like copying something or, you know, as, as Dan Martell says, you know, R and Ding, robbing and duplicating. You know, I like to I, I copy and I give credit, right? I am upfront. People ask me about Editor Ninja, hey, what's behind the Editor Ninja business model? Or what is Editor Ninja? You know Design Pickle? Yeah, okay. Design Pickle for copy editing and proofreading. People are like, great, right? I give credit to Design Pickle. I give credit to Russ, you know, the founder and CEO over there. So I don't know. That's my take on competitors. What about you? What what brought this up for you? Yeah, it's a I don't know. It's an interesting topic, really, because it's like you know we just published a, a book through my day job last year, and one of the concepts in the book is literally there's a reason that racehorses wear blinders. It's so you don't look to the people or to the horses <laughs> left and right of you. You just run your own race, right? And so I definitely ascribe to that. But you know there are some times where like I don't keep an eye on competitors because I always feel like. If you do that, then you can only ever be a step or two behind them. You can't ever differentiate yourself and lead the pack because you're constantly mm -hmm. like waiting to see what they do. So the way I look at it is I want to be the person that everybody's watching and copying. And that's a position of strength, right? That's that's mm -hmm. a good place to be in. But at the same time, you know, Castaway is the first time where I've kind of had like competitors kind of injecting themselves into my life. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It's people will come to me and say, 
you know, hey, I just got laid off from my job and I'm thinking about doing podcast repurposing in a freelance capacity. Can I pick your brain about like how you're running Castaway and what tools you're using and stuff? And I'm like, I'm a nice guy. My gut reaction is actually, yeah, I want to open the kimono, right? And and let them know like exactly how I'm running things. And then I stop for a second. I'm like, but that's like, why would I invest time to do that? They're not bringing anything to the table in terms of like, they did some legwork or anything like that. It's basically, let me just lift and shift your model and do it under my own flag. And it's, I don't know. I don't, it, it just feels weird to me to be so generous with something that like I invested a bunch of time to figure out, right? Well, the way I feel about that kind of stuff is like, hop on a call with him and see if he wants to do work for you, right? Because I mean, I think yeah. your update is going to be like kind of capacity and, you know, not really working on certain things because like you need to scale up the team. So like, Maybe this is someone that you can scale up the team with, right? That can take a bunch of the project management off your plate. He needs to make some money as a freelancer, that kind of thing. You know, and if it's an in-house team and they want to learn a bit, teach them enough, right? Teach them enough to the point where they're like, holy crap, this is a lot of work and we should just hire Castaway, you know? So I don't know. It's it's not really coopetition. It's more like I think there are, there are opportunities there for you. But I also get the, yeah, the, you know, it, it never feels good when someone just like copies you. And yeah, and they're reaching out to try to copy your process to build a competitor is like, kind of weird so yeah it is i think that's really that's a good summary of the feeling is more about confusion like i would never <laughs> think to reach out to somebody and ask that question but no. multiple folks have asked some version of it and i'm just like okay just a different approach on the world and maybe it just comes from a place of desperation if i got laid off i'd be trying to find ways to pay the bills too so to your point i don't hold it against anybody and like ideas only worth so much at the end of the day it comes down to execution but yeah it's just it was just kind of confusing like really you're just going to come directly and, and ask somebody to give you their playbook so you can run it yourself and cut out all that legwork and research and hard lessons learned or whatever so yeah but my general feeling 100%. on competitors is yeah i keep an eye in the sense that like market research and what's out there and what are my customers weighing as alternatives like i think there's a fundamental like level of awareness you have to have around the alternative options and those aren't always like competing services that are apples to apples sometimes it's a a software tool that does a lot of what you do manually or it's doing it in-house versus hiring an agency that's the competition there's a full-time hire or whatever so it's kind of this more holistic view so i think it's like my recommendation to the listener is watch competitors as closely as you need to know where you stand amongst them right but don't ever default to direct copycatting you know i've even seen people like steal headlines almost word for word and oh, yeah. pricing structures and that kind of thing and it's just i don't know man like if you if you can't innovate now and you know, have an independent thought around those kinds of things. And I'm just not super confident in your ability to run your business for the long term because you're always going to be a step or two behind everybody else. Totally. And yeah, and you know, I've seen this a lot with Credo as well, where we have like a, a rotating bar at the top where it's signed to SEO, PPC, Facebook ads, digital marketing company, right? And it's like a rotating thing that I forget who I saw that on is not someone in my space. I like, so I rolled that out. We rolled that out a couple of years ago. And then another company in our space rolled it out about six months ago. And I'm like, they probably saw it on our site. And so then they rolled it out, right? And so like th th that happens in these spaces, but I think it's more the broader of, are you just doing that, right? There's like the looking for ideas. And then there's the like, I'm just going to copy the whole thing and do whatever they do, which like there are people that have done that and they've done it very well and they've been very successful doing it if it's a huge space, right? I think about the guys in like Poland or somewhere that like copied Pinterest for Europe, right? And they made a shitload mm -hmm. of money, but- I also don't really respect them, right? Um, 
so I need to read your book. I have it, <laughs> but I, I need to read it. But I like the idea of, I like the, the metaphor of there's a reason why racehorses wear blinders because they're not looking, yeah. you know, around them. They're looking at where they're going, but they do, you know, but the jockey, right. And I don't want to extend the metaphor too far, but like the jockey is looking around and see what are, what are my, you know, what are my competitors doing? Literally my competitors running beside me. What are they doing? What moves do I need to make that kind of thing? So there's kind of that, like, it, it, it's a both and sort of situation, but I also agree that if you're the leader, look at what others are doing. How do you make yourself different? How do you differentiate yourself? Like I'm doing with editor ninja with professional editing and, you know, and then keep on running and don't really worry. Keep an eye on your competitors, keep an eye on who's around you, but don't really worry about what they're doing. And you might get some good nuggets from them as well. So, right. Uh, cool, man. Well, what's the, what's the update? Speaking of editor Ninja, what's the update over there? I know it's been probably yeah. a couple of weeks since we last talked. So yeah, other than the sales, I mean, we're going to have to increase the revenue target if those things <laughs> fully sign <laughs> and start so. paying invoices. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I need, I need, I need that conversion today. Like I'm sitting here, I'm looking at my phone as we're re- recording and hoping to see like a Stripe notification that this new prospect that committed is signed up. Yeah, man. Lots been going on here. You know, I'm really trying to delegate a lot at Credo so that, you know, get myself out of a lot of the day to day there so I can focus more on Editor Ninja because I feel like it's such a big opportunity. But some things that I've been working on recently. So, you know, within our product, it's a simple like workflow product that I've built, but we have a view, like the idea of a queue, right? So like a customer uploads a document to their queue and then our editors work through their queue based off of, you know, when it was uploaded and the priority and like some of those things, but primarily off of the date. And so it's like, it started on this date, it's due back on this date. And so that, that's just how they do it. And I've had a card view, um, which is like pretty and it's good looking, but it's hard to really parse the information there. And that was like our only view. And I've been wanting to set up like a, a table view, just like a simple table view, which we I have on other kind of areas of the site. I use it for myself for the assigning, looking at new documents and assigning it. And the way I operate, James, is I don't go and build new things until we have new customers to merit it. <laughs> so, okay, I like building a table view isn't going to move the needle on getting new customers. So let's get new customers because mm-hmm. that's like the one thing that I need to be working on right now. And then once, you know, this customer committed and they're like, we're in, it's going to be a good size customer. It's an agency. I'm like, all right, cool. Now I'll reward myself by building this table view. I learned that from Chris Lemma. He's like, focus on the one thing, but know that you really want to do this thing. And once you've hit, hit this milestone or gotten a new customer, or whatever, then reward yourself with building a new thing. So I rewarded myself last night with building that and it's live uh, and I'm stoked on it. So, so I, I got that done and I've just been like formalizing some things on the op side. First of all, my, uh, my lead editor is working on uh, recruiting some new editors because with bringing on new customers, we need to scale up that side. And so, so that's great. You know, she's just working on that, which is awesome and feels so good to be building this company in a way that like I didn't do with Credo where I did everything. And so like actually having an early, like kind of founding team is is amazing. Like we're just, we're just able to move so much faster. But along with that, I've had to formalize some processes earlier that it took a while to do with Credo. So like I got Gusto set up for Editor Ninja so that we I can pay editors through there. And so they get their W9 and that kind of thing like automatically. So that then I'm not like, you know, having to go back and do that <laughs> later, you know, like a year from now, my accountant's, oh, did you send W9s? I'm like, shoot. <laughs> so I'm really trying <laughs> to formalize that stuff early on. So a year from now, when hopefully we're like substantially bigger, having to deal with that stuff when I, you know, really should be focusing on 
marketing, sales, that kind of thing. So I think that's really smart to formalize that stuff early because like I'm probably going the other way and I'm just, you know, doing it all myself. Like I'm in here in Google Sheets managing a very simple P&L just because I'm like, eh, should I go ahead and get QuickBooks set up or something equivalent to like, I'm not hiring a bookkeeper yet. I'm just, I'm just not there, you know? And it, I wonder if that's just a little bit of the difference between you already having Credo under your belt. And I'm curious how much of the resources from Credo are you funneling to Editor Ninja, whether that's dollars or people, um, time and attention? Because it does seem like, man, if I had something that was peeling off half a million dollars a year, like it'd be way easier to get Castaway off the ground in theory. I, I don't know in practice, but yep. in theory, it seems like, oh yeah, you just take some of this money and you can op even at a loss to some degree for a while, just knowing mm -hmm. that you're setting up the systems, you're getting the team in place and stuff in six yeah. months from now, you're going to flip that profitability switch and gain it all back. But yeah, is that accurate or is it more like you're operating these as two very independent entities? They are two very independent entities purposefully. So their own LLCs, own EINs, all that stuff. Like uh, the only things that I'm like cross-pollinating are Editor Ninja's like hosting. It's under Credo's Kinsta account, right? Love Kinsta for hosting. I've been through so many hosts. So like EditorNinja.com is hosted on the Kinsta instance that's paid for by Hiregun LLC, which is Credo's official parent company. But you're, you're right. And I was talking, I was mentioning this recently to my wife that I, you know, Credo's paying me and so, and I get owner distributions and that kind of thing. I don't need those owner distributions for my day-to-day -day life. We do fine. So I'm actually taking a lot of that. I took some of it last year. I'm putting it in my trucks just because it's fun, mm -hmm. but like stuff that's, that I'm getting from Credo now, distributions I'm getting from Credo now, I'm actually putting, it's just, you know, it's a couple grand, like a quarter. I'm putting that into Editor Ninja. But that's me. That's John, founder, funding it, right? It's just like angel funding. Just so I, I'm using my income from Credo as the funding for Editor Ninja, but it's not Credo funding Editor Ninja. Just like I used SEO consulting when I went on my own and was starting Credo, my SEO consulting paid myself and then I was able to, to bootstrap and self-fund Credo. So I'm doing that same thing. It's just like a slightly different business. But And then my lead editor at Editor Ninja is also my executive assistant at Credo. So there is that overlap, but like Credo pays her for executive assistant stuff and like some other stuff that she does there. And then Editor Ninja pays her for the editing that she does at Editor Ninja. So I very much, I'm trying to keep those separate as much as possible just for future reasons yeah that makes sense i mean i was probably going to touch on this later but like i'm to the point now where i'm like it's more of a cash flow thing it's like when does this invoice get paid okay you take those dollars and you hand these contractors mm -hmm. their money to do this work and it's you get multiple projects at the same time and you're like it's easy to lose track of the profitability of an individual project because it's all just mm -hmm. a bank account with a floating and then this cash is being passed back and forth and it's like when you're trying to do the bookkeeping yourself and run the business it's it's like, i don't have a, a clear grasp on if i'm being responsible um about making sure that everything's profitable all the time mm. and i'm to the point now where i'm like do i just take 10 grand of my own money and drop it in that account and just like you know basically seed funding the whole thing yeah. Um, yeah. just so we don't have to like float and it, it's it's not like we're hurting for money but it's just it's hard to keep track of every penny when things yeah. are constantly going in and out in in multivarious ways the way i've set that up at credo is we just like i i review i mean i have a bookkeeper accountant you know basically fractional like finance person there and I review the PL every month. And so I've taken a lot of the learnings from running that business over to Editor Ninja. And so I'm getting them in place now. Like I don't have a bookkeeper on Editor Ninja yet. I'll probably use Bench. I'm like I did early days of Credo. I'll probably use Bench for that. But I now know, like I now have the process. And so, you know, moving forward every like second Tuesday of the, you know, the second Tuesday of every month, I'm going to review Credo PL. I'm going to re review Editor Ninja PL. So th it. that's just because that's the level at which I need. I know that I need that level. So I don't know, maybe a, a good learning for you with yeah, Castaway. But I, 
I don't know. I just don't feel like I need to know where every penny is going, right? It's just like, all right, we're investing in this. We're investing in this. You know, are we like cash flow? Is cash flow coming in? You know, are people getting paid? That kind of thing. And yeah, some of it's going to shift around. But, you know, it's interesting you say that because moving into sales and marketing updates real quick, I basically, I shipped out a new funnel recently where there's a get your first stock done for 15% off, right? If you want to like test out the service before you commit to a subscription, just get it done. Here's a 15% off coupon, right? Um, and actually the customer that's converting, the prospect that I talked to yesterday that's converting in, you know, hopefully today, tomorrow, they got three test documents done last week. And then I like send them back to them and said, hey, if, like if this, you know, if this was awesome for you, let's book a call, right? And talk about a subscription and they booked a call. So I feel like that funnel's starting to work, just trying to get people to that, wow, this is amazing moment that I had a few months ago when I got, you know, signed up Credo and got documents back. I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. I don't have to review this stuff. Sweet. <laughs> so I'm trying to get people mm -hmm. to that first value, but I've, I'm also playing around with a new like pricing structure where instead of getting people to commit to like, oh yeah, we're producing, you know, hundred thousand words a month. And so I need five lanes of editing, which is whatever, 1500 bucks. Basically, I'm doing like a, a base like platform fee. Everyone pays right now, current pricing is $399. I'm probably going to up that. Everyone pays that and that covers your initial X documents, right? Or like X thousands of words. And then at the end of every payment period, and we bill every four weeks, a shout out to Alex Hormozzi there. At the end of every four week period, we go, we're going to go back through and see how many words they did above that like initial like number, right? For their like initial subscription. And then we build them for that after the fact. So they're not paying for stuff that they're not using. It's a much easier sale. It delays our revenue a little bit. So I'm actually, I'm, I am going to have to watch that, but we've, we've got a good, like I put enough cash into the bank account that like we're fine. And it's basically just going to be like each month there'll be a little bit, you know, it's just a little bit of delayed revenue, but mm -hmm. it seems like it's a much easier yes for people. I actually shipped out the new pricing page last night, obviously still super early day. I have no data on it yet, but like I shipped it out last night, kind of streamlining, get a single doc, get a subscription. If you're editing over a hundred thousand words a month, let's schedule a call to talk. So I don't know, making those changes, just kind of trying to balance the like changing stuff too fast versus, you know, I've got enough like data on this, you know, we've driven 5,000 people to the site and I got two demos booked, like something's off here. That's interesting. What's the, what's the Alex Hormozzi bit about the four weeks? Cause that caught my attention. I've been devouring his stuff lately and is one of those kind of, yeah. he's one of those personalities that feels too good to be true. You know, like yeah. he, I put him in the same bucket as Grant Cardone and Ty Lopez right now. And I'm like, mm not you know like they're very polarizing some people love them some people hate them i'm yep. sure the reality is somewhere in the middle but it's anytime um somebody has that much confidence the, the natural inclination is to like second guess them and i'm not second yeah. guessing him but i'm trying to like come at it sure. with a clean palette or whatever but what's his four week concept right. i'm guessing it's just bail every four weeks instead of once a month and then you get more revenue that way because of exactly the extra time exactly or, basically yeah. it builds in 13 billing periods a year instead of 12 <clears throat> and so you get an additional what's that eight percent of revenue something like that people don't balk at it people don't do the the yearly like uh calculation they look at what's the outlay right what's the like monthly outlay and four weeks is close enough to a month that like they don't differentiate between it so that that's basically his thing is like you're gonna have more profit in the business if you bill every four weeks so yeah that's it's pretty simple and i just started editor ninja with that and i haven't i've literally had no one ask about it 
Yeah. Um, I think so I I'm landed like, on that by mistake yeah. with, uh, with Castaway because I was basically mm-hmm. like, the subscription is you pay me once a month and we do four episodes. And that just assumes you do one episode a week for four weeks, but some months right. have more, some months have less, but it's, right. so it's kind of built in that way, but just not messaged in the, in yep. the same vein. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. And, and to Alex, like Alex is a great guy. He and his wife are in Martell's yeah. kind of orbit. You know, they're both super nice, super smart, like super giving. They're, I don't, I have I don't know Grant Cardone. I don't know Ty Lopez. Like I, I know who they yeah. are. I follow them. Right. Like Ed Milet comes to mind, like a lot of those guys, but yeah, I mean, Alex is the real deal. So yeah. I, I respect him a ton, you know, on the, on the business side for sure. He's just been through a lot, learned a lot, teaches a lot, very eloquent. So yeah. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of his interviews lately and yeah, just great, great story. And it's just funny because he's just been in the trenches mm-hmm. for like what a decade or something like that. And is just now starting to build a personal brand and you yeah. watch the growth of his Instagram or whatever. And it's just, yeah, the hockey stick and yeah. for good reason. Yeah. Right. I've learned a lot um, from him about like delegation and like empowering other people to do things for you. Cause like, I know, you know, I know who does his like his Instagram stuff and all of that. And like, it's, it's pretty, I've learned a lot about that for credo. Cause it's in a very different place in editor ninja. What about you, man? What's going yeah. on at Castaway these days. What's the- uh, let's see. Operational side. I got my own project management system set up, which I was going to ask about yours earlier, but I guess I'll bring it up now. So we're using Asana and I like Asana because it has repeatable checklists. So you can make, it has that card view that you were talking about, the Kanban view or whatever people like to call mm-hmm. it. But then you can have a template card with sub checklists inside of it. So for me, it would be like, here is the template for this show. And here is the step-by-step process for making the video clips. Here's a step-by-step process for making the blog posts, making the social media threads. You like, you need this many about, you know, recapping the conversation, this many about lessons learned, this many about whatever, guess me to get all that stuff. So I can just copy that card for every single episode and drag each episode as an individual card through the process, but they all have the exact mm. same repeatable steps attached to them, which is, I think, what makes uh, my process efficient. So. I like Asana, uh, but then when you talked about having multiple views in a database or a table view and and the kind of the board view and that kind of thing, that made me think of Airtable, which is what we use at my agency. And I really like it for like editorial calendar, but it doesn't really have a good way for those repeatable checklists that I found yet. So I went with Asana over Airtable for now. And I'm curious about yours. Was yours kind of a custom solution or are you using a tool similar to one of those? So little known fact about John Doherty, I hate project management and I hate project management (laughs) software with a passion. Like I've tried Basecamp, I've tried Asana, we tried ClickUp. Um, they just don't work for my brain. I feel constrained by them and I have to learn how to work in their way. Like I work in my way. So I use Trello for my own, uh, you know, my own, like managing my own projects and that kind of thing, managing our, like our product roadmap, you know, that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I honestly think project management and like kind of repeatable stuff like that is something that like both of my companies could bone up on really well. Like I'm going to try to hire an integrator at Credo at some point, right? The EOS entrepreneur operating system vein, someone trained by them probably. So like just an, an operator, cause it's just not my jam. I'm not good at it. And it holds my companies back. So I don't use any of that with editor. And I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. I built it myself. WordPress, Gravity Forms, Gravity View, Paid Memberships Pro. Like that's my stack. That's how I built the initial version of Credo. It's how I built the initial version, the MVP of Editor Ninja, and it works. Um, and you know, I've just kind of built out these different views at Editor Ninja. Where it's, here's the queue of documents that, like, all the documents in the queue and the ones that need to be scheduled are at the top. Then when a document is returned, it goes into the revision queue and I have a separate view that I can see everything that needs to be like QA'd and returned. Once it's returned, it's out of that view. I log in every day to review it, to QA stuff. And then that's my workflow. And it works, it works well for now. Once we scale, once we get to, you know, 
250,000 words a week, like coming back, that's going to break. Um, so we're going to have to bone yeah. up on that. That's really cool. And it's nice that you have a single view where it just kind of like filters out all the noise. Like you don't even see the yeah. stuff that's already done. You don't even see nope. the stuff that's not ready for your attention yet. Nope. It's just like dialed in right and to I have what the view that's this is what right needs now. to be handled and scheduled now. This is the stuff that needs to go back. And then these are all the documents that come through. So I have those different views just to keep it, keep it straight in my own brain. Yeah. Right. Cool. So then other stuff on the operations side for Castaway, I did find a really good video editor and um, very affordable. I'm like, I, I want to pay him more, you know, because I think he's undercharging himself. He's got mm -hmm. some geo arbitrage going on there. But uh, the problem is he works full time for another uh, agency and has limited availability. So I did the whole like, hey, do you know anybody like you? And he's ah, unfortunately, I don't. So now I got to find a way, find somebody who's comparable and but has more availability. And I have some ideas around that. I think that's going to be one of my action items for this week is basically like, how do I find this guy, but with more availability or, you know, some kind of duplication mm -hmm. factor there. So let's see. So then on the sales and marketing front, I sold another bundled offering. I talked about this on a past episode where somebody came to me and they're like, hey, I don't have a podcast, but um, I have this process where I am setting up prospects for my service and I'm interviewing them and they've agreed to let me use it as marketing materials, basically kind of a video case study for ways that we can serve uh, them in a financial services capacity. And I was like, yeah, sure, we can do that. I mean, conceptually, it's different. Like down the road, I'd probably like to turn those folks away because it doesn't fit into the strict mold of the repeatable project I'd like to do. But right now, you know, money in the bank is worth mm -hmm. something to me. So so I did that. And this is kind of the same thing. They, what they want to do basically is they want to do a series of interviews with CEOs. And then they want to use those interviews as proof that the client's CEO is a good interview and then use that to get placed on other podcasts. They basically want to say, hey, our CEO has done these six interviews. Um, here's all the marketing material around that. And uh, would you like to have him as a guest on your show? And then that's their end service. So kind of an interesting use case. And yeah, it's nice to get those lump sum yeah. orders. It's not ideal. I'd love to have recurring revenue. I think everybody would, but you know, it's, it's a place to start. So it's interesting that these other use cases continue to present themselves naturally without any kind of, there's no landing page for that, right? That's not even an idea I had in my head. It's just kind of like, you know, they, they submitted an interest form. I said, tell me about your show. They said, well, we don't have a show yet, but we have this idea. Can you work with that? And it's, yeah, sure. We can do that for now. I think long-term I'd like to not do that maybe, but you know, for now it's working. It could be worth launching see, a page and you know, it's a lump sum thing and then you can turn them into a like repeatable, maybe build a process around that, right? If they're doing this yeah. constantly, you get them into a subscription, you know, or they buy a bundle right ahead of time. So you front load that revenue and then you deliver it over time. Yeah. I am trying to fight against, I, I there are like six different landing pages I could launch for little services <laughs> like that. Right. Like one yeah. I was thinking about just this week is like, so you see it all over Twitter or if you run a business, you probably encounter this. Anytime you run a webinar, like people are always commenting and they're like, will there be a recording? Will there be a recording? And I just want to have this landing page yes. with a hero section, a big <laughs> headline that says, will there be a recording question mark? No, there'll be something way better. And then the deliverable there is instead of a recording, you get like a cheat sheet with the cliff notes or you get a slide deck with the key points and a voiceover or you get a YouTube video that summarizes it or you get video clips of the most important parts. You don't have to watch the whole webinar. There's some kind of package around that. And just that hero is sticking out in my brain right now where it's like, will there be a recording? No, there's going to be something even better. And, and then it's here's what Castaway can deliver for you to make your webinars like more valuable to attendees because a lot of people don't attend. It's something like 80% of people that register for webinars just don't show up. They just wait for the recording. And it's can you blame them really? It's not it's not the best experience unless you really have an interest in that Q&A session. So like, how do you take those webinars and repurpose them into something that is more useful and, and maybe more bite-sized and more contextual? I, I could see a little product offering around that. But yeah, I'm trying to... I'm, I'm like, is that a distraction or is that something worth testing out right now? And it's kind of, yeah, this wrestling between focus and also exploring 
new revenue channels, right? So yeah, I mean, it's it's, they're worth tests, right? There's no harm in launching the page, and if it converts, great. If it doesn't convert, you unpublish it, right? You know, at this yeah. point, it's worth testing it. I don't know. That, that's my take, right? I and obviously yeah. I'm an SEO guy, and I've built out a ton of these pages on Editor Ninja for like document editing, copy editing, proofreading, like that kind of thing, and it's all just like part of what we do. But you know, some of them convert, some of them don't, but they rank and drive traffic and all that. So I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I, actually, my, my my playbook for doing this in the past is literally a Google Doc. Like I just write the landing page in a Google Doc, and I think of five people that I follow on Twitter or that I have an email connection to from past work, and I just say, "Hey, you run a bunch of. Does this resonate with you? I'm not asking you to buy it, but is this something that for a person in your position does it seem like an appealing offer? And then just give me your unfiltered feedback on: Would you like to see more deliverables or different deliverables? Would you like to see better pricing? You know that kind of thing. Like what makes this more attractive to you? And then if I get enough positive signal from five or 10 of those, then then I go do the landing page and then I fire off a tweet about it. And I just kind of escalate my involvement based on whether that feedback is positive And there seems like there's some momentum there. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah, cool. So I'll uh, wrap up. Let's see the other updates here. Yeah, I guess this is kind of an update and a, and a challenge, I guess, bundled into one is hiring is a sticking point for me. I'm still in that phase of like, doing it all myself. I think you mentioned earlier that the nice thing about Editor Ninja is this time around, you're, you're not, you're getting a team in place and delegation and everything like that. So I'm not there yet. I think right now it's like to maintain quality and reliability in terms of deadlines and stuff. I'm still doing a fair amount of the work. So I'm trying to get out of that though. And it's one of those things where like selling these bundles is great, but that revenue is not like long-term committed revenue for the next six months. So it's hard to hire against Mm -hmm. that. And it's also this kind of common thread that I've been bringing up in this conversation is, do I just put 10 grand of my own money in there and just go ahead and hire and basically bet on yourself and then, you know, solve the chicken or the egg problem by going out and getting the sales to make that hire, you know, sustainable for years, not just weeks or months, right? So I think that's kind of my my biggest challenge right now. My biggest action item really is like, one, I got to go find another video editor. That's kind of my sticking point talent-wise. But two, I got to either go go sell some subscriptions or get them pre-committed to justify that hire or just to you know make my peace with self-funding it for an indeterminate amount of time and going to get the sales after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Or you structure it where, and this is something I've been thinking about, Editor Ninja is because I don't have... I, I, I kind of think through the same thing with like contract editors. We don't have enough work to bring like someone on full time. None of us are full time on it. And I there's this like little thing in the back of my brain that's like, uh, if one of these like big, you know, subscriptions churns, you know, am I going to have the work? And so I don't want to guarantee anything, but maybe it's like a, like every two weeks sort of like, hey, I'm going to need you. I know I need you for the next two weeks, right? And guarantee X amount of pay, that kind of thing. But, you know, so then they can kind of like manage their time like a little bit like longer term. I don't know. It's a hard one. I haven't cracked it either. Yeah. So what are you thinking with like, I know we were talking about at the start, but like funding out of your pocket initially or, you know, betting on the pipeline, or do you have a cash bank built up that you know that you've got three months of runway, you know, in the bank or something like that? Um, It's a little bit of both. We certainly have cash in the bank. Like we've probably got seven grand sitting in there just free flowing between we've already paid contractors and invoices haven't been paid and stuff like that. So yeah, we could float that. And the people I'm talking about hiring, you know, I'm I'm happy to hire domestically if I find the right person. Typically what I've found is that a lot of the best video editors for social media clips are actually like located internationally. Just that's just where they live. That's just kind of a specialized skill set that's available in, you know, Cambodia or Thailand or or those kinds of places. And, you know, 
you can, they, they are more affordable than somebody working in LA or New York or yeah. Austin or whatever. So you can get somebody like that, at, at least from what I've seen it for two grand a month. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, if you only have seven, two grand a month is three months of runway, right? So it's, you know, but, but at the same time, I also could take this approach where I don't necessarily put somebody on retainer or in some kind of an employment arrangement, but I just kind of say, Hey, can I keep you on the bench? And can I call you the next time I project a bundle, a subscription, and then you jump in there. I could try that, but the problem is yeah. we kind of say, hey, we've got a seven to 10 business day turnaround from the point you pay the invoice and give us the assets we need. And it's, you can't expect that freelancer to just be available. Like awesome if they are, but you can't expect them to hold space for you unless you're gonna pay to hold that space, right? So it's, that sure. doesn't quite feel right to me morally either. So I think what I've landed on though, is this kind of hybrid model where it's like, what if I go find this video editor and I pay them and I put them on a retainer for a certain number of hours or episodes or whatever, and it's okay, if we have enough client work to keep them busy, problem solved. But if we don't, then I'm gonna do these things like, I'm just gonna call them like blitzes. And it's, let me go find a show and your job this month is to repurpose this show that's not a castaway client, yeah. but I'm gonna send all those assets over to them. Or I'm just gonna start publishing them myself and tagging those accounts or whatever. And like, I'm gonna somehow get that in front of those people and maybe they'll sign on, but maybe somebody who follows them will sign on. They'll be like, hey, the clips right. they made for the show are really uh, top notch, high quality, whatever. And maybe that'll drive business. So maybe it's kind of both, right? Like maybe it's, I'm paying it's somebody now cost. and I'm kind of taking that risk, but yeah, but it's sales and marketing yeah. effort and it might drive new business and, and then you get the flywheel going. So that, that's kind of what I'm thinking now is I might just put Sam, somebody on retainer, you know, for six months, 1500 a month or whatever, pay it out of the bank account for as long as I can, knowing that I might have to dip into my own pocket if things get bad or whatever. And then, you know, if I, if they're not engaged full time, then use them on sales and marketing projects and see if yeah. that drives business and takes care of itself, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a risk, but you know, also it doesn't seem like things are going to get bad. It seems, you know, you keep selling these bundles and you know, all that, so, you know, that's, that's, it seems to be a pretty like safe bet. I think there's no, there's not no risk, but the other thing you could do, man is, and I did this at the very start with editor ninja is I basically had a set of like 20 editors that like a doc would come in and I just email out and say, whoever replies first with availability gets it. <laughs> yeah. right? So you can have five video editors that are all freelancers. And so in this case, you're just letting them manage their own availability, but you have enough that you know, like someone is going to be available, right? That you can get it right. done. So you're not committed to anything when, you know, freelancers are used to a little bit of like spiky work. And yes, it'd be nice, like from our perspective to, you know, give them that like consistency. But if you don't have that consistency yet, I don't know. My take is don't try to fit it in. Yeah. You know, I have consistency now with editor ninja. So I do have, you know, a couple editors that I'm just like kind of guaranteeing a certain amount, but it's also like 75 bucks a week, right? Like I can float 300 bucks a month, right? 600 bucks a month, like no problem for a long time, even if we had no documents coming through. Right. So it's like right. super low risk. So I don't know that, that that's how I'd go if I were you, but the get them on a retainer and use them for like marketing purposes, et cetera. That's intriguing. I had never thought about that. So yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be might be worth a shot. Could be. Yeah. Uh, cool, man. Well, before we uh, hop off, do you have any other? I know I just shared like kind of a challenge I'm facing. I don't know if you have anything like that or like my commitments for the next time we talk. Put a job listing out there for a video editor and just see what comes back and try to get mm -hmm. you know a price point or a level of involvement that they're interested. Maybe they're totally flexible, right? But I want to get out into a yeah. couple of the popular marketplaces and see what comes back. And then, you know, as we wrap up some of these ongoing projects, I want to reach out to those clients and try to get some video testimonials and add some of that social proof to the website. Cause I know mm -hmm. it's easy to go a long time without actually doing that. And I know it can be a big boost in pushing somebody over the finish line to actually sign on with us is to see mm -hmm. real saying nice things about us. So I'm going to try to get that done here in the next week or so as we wrap these projects up. Especially since you're talking about video, right. And you do, you do video yeah. editing and such. So can you get, I don't know if you could use like 
testimonial dot two or, you know, something like yeah. that. There are all these, you know, things out there that you could use. I think that that would be very effective for you. For me with editor Ninja, you know, at this point, I don't really have any major challenges. It's just a matter of like keeping focused on increasing audience, increasing traffic, increasing knowledge of the space, right. Of the, of my company just to get more demos in and, you know, and get them closed. So yeah, I, I just need to stay focused, honestly. Cause like, I know that I'm going to go and, you know, futz around with stuff on the site. Like I did a bunch of SEO things this past week and some, you know, try trying some new like conversion related stuff. Like I put the Calendly embed demo request on every single like main services page. So seeing if that works to increase demos. Otherwise I've got some other tests that I might do. So like, I'm trying to let some of those just keep on going and not futz around with like breadcrumb links anymore for services pages and that sort of stuff. Like I find that I'm good at doing busy work, but it's not necessarily the work that is going to move the needle, which is audience outreach, that kind of thing. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. So basically what I'm committing to is I am going to, one is, is really trying to get this, like this new customer on board and really make them happy and get their first stuff out. Second one is going to be delegating the assigning of documents to my lead editor because I'm going on vacation in two weeks and I'm going to check in every day, but I don't want to be like, you know, 9 a.m., you know, every day in Mexico, you know, logging on to like assign documents and QA documents and that kind of thing. So it's kind of the next level that like, can I build these processes so that other people are running them so that I can, yeah, I can focus on what I'm best at, which is the business side, the sales and the marketing and not have to be like in there operating. So that's, that's what I'm really working on at this point and just challenging myself to get into that mindset early on instead of, yeah, I can do all the things, right? Cause I, as you said, I am building this company in a very different way than I built, you know, credo. Yeah. Yeah. And if you try to do it all yourself, oftentimes that's slower than, you know, helping, getting other people to help you out might be more affordable, but it's like, what's more important to you, the, the speed of execution or, you know, making a bunch of money right out of the gate versus investing for the long term. That's I'm wrestling with that too. Is do I am I willing to work on this for 6 months and basically make no money from it personally for a bigger long term outcome or do I want to just like go slow and steady and just take some cash out now and it's yeah, I don't know. I don't know which one's the better yeah. option, but I think the way the way I did that at least with Credo was I just kind of built up to it. Like I paid myself nothing from Credo for the first 9 months and then I wrote myself a check. It was for mm-hmm. like 4 grand. <laughs> so like basically like 400 bucks a month for the previous, like, you know, nine months, but it was something I haven't paid myself anything out of editor ninja at this point, but I was also talking about this with Chris Lemmer recently. And he was like, you don't have to, you've got a day job. You've got your other business, right? For you, you've got your day job that's paying you. We should live within our means on those. Right. And so there isn't really that pressure, even though, yeah, it'd feel good to pay myself, but at this point yeah, I don't need it. So might as well reinvest and, you know, really get this thing to a steady state to then, you know, at some point be able to say, yeah, now I'm now paying myself $2,000 a month or something like that. So, yeah, that's kind of my mindset too, is I'm not expecting to take any money out of it until maybe the end of the year, right? Like maybe I get a nice little Christmas bonus from all this, but I'm basically planning to reinvest everything back into the business, but it does make it harder, at least for me, when I'm mainly working nights and weekends outside of kind of a nine to five arrangement, it's like doing that for free for a long time can get a little old. So yeah, just something I'm, yep. I'm remaining aware of, right? Cause I know yep. those feelings can creep in, but cool, man. Well, maybe we'll wrap it up there and we'll leave some food on the table for the next time we get together uh, before you go on vacation there, we'll catch you one more time and then you can fully unplug and yeah, congratulations on that big sale. I hope it I hope it comes through. I hope the cash is in your bank account here before too long. And then uh, you're trying to figure out how to put it back to work. 
Thank you. That's that's the plan, man. We'll keep rocking and rolling. Good to see you as always, James. We'll catch y'all next time. Thank you.